Welcome to the KBB View podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis. And for anyone who says I'm not, then I demand compensation or I'll see you in court. Yeah, this week we're talking all about dispute resolution, or in layman's terms, what you do when you have a disagreement with a customer and shouting rude things about their mother to them through their letterbox just doesn't seem to be helping get it all to a mutually agreeable conclusion. Now, genuine customer disputes are few and far between in the independent kitchen and bathroom retailer world. These are businesses built on exceptional customer service, of course. But every now and again, despite all your best efforts, things can go wrong, or probably more likely, awkward clients just aren't listening to reason. And that's where you might need some professional help. So I'll be talking it all through with Kieran Harkin from Dispute Assist. But first... Today's episode is brought to you with the support of our very good friends at Lawcris. They lead the field in wood-based panel products, laminates and edgings with big brands such as Emporio Skin, Chronospan and many more. With over 40 vehicles in their fleet, they can provide next-day delivery on all stocked products. You can find out all about them at lawcris.co.uk and I'll put that link in the episode description. So as promised, here is Kieran Harkin from Dispute Assist. Hello, Kieran. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you. And I'm glad you're here to sort out all of our problems, Kieran. I'm on my own, but I, I have a reputation for starting an argument in an empty room on my own. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Let's start with your company. Give us the 10-second overview of exactly what it is you do and what services you offer. Yes, yeah, so I have a company called Dispute Assist. And hopefully the name gives it away. Fortunately, out there in a complex home improvement world, sometimes buyer and seller get into a dispute. And my job is to come in and get them to resolve their differences and ideally try to prevent them from having to go to court to do so. So that's it in a nutshell. Right. So it's a kind of mediation service, effectively. It is. It's a mixture. So we do a bit of mediation to start off with because normally, actually, just asking both sides a couple of pointy questions they'll normally come up with the answer themselves and then if that doesn't quite get to where we want it to be we'll move into something that's called conciliation which is where we'll go in the absence of either party coming up with the right answer using our sort of skill and our experience more importantly we will actually recommend what seems to be a fair outcome in that particular scenario for both parties to potentially agree to. Right, well, we'll get into the detail of that in a bit. But is this a very common problem in in the overall home improvement arena? I'm assuming that the more money that changes hands, the more common disputes are. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of cash swishing around this particular industry. And unfortunately, home improvements has a bit of a, a mixed reputation. In theory, from a report I read, we've got the most rogue trader style shows on public view, <laughs> apparently in Europe. But I think more importantly is, you know, every year, Citizens Advice released their annual report on industries that have the most consumer detriment. And unfortunately, home improvement often comes out second only to used cars, would you believe? But normally it averages out at the moment about 4.25 billion in unresolved complaints each year in this industry, which sounds awful, but it's a complex industry. You know, we're not just buying things off a shelf here. There's a lot more to it than that. So it's not that surprising that's a lot higher than other industries. Yeah, because I suppose all of these things are a combination of product, but it's also a huge service industry as well, isn't it? It's Correct. all about installation and, and hiring someone to do a job for you, as well as you know faulty products and everything else that goes with it. So imagine all these cases are a lot of the time very complicated. Now, we talk about road traders and that kind of thing. And you think, okay, fair enough. I get that. I understand why they would 
disputes in that area. I understand why people would, would have arguments about it. What we're talking about in this business is independent kitchen and bathroom retailers. These are top-notch independents. They pride themselves on their customer service. They pride themselves on, on their ability to meet all the needs of their customers. So even those guys have disputes but they come up very, very rarely. And I suppose one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it on here with you is that because they happen so infrequently, they're just not prepared for it. They just have no idea what to do with it when it happens because it doesn't come up very often. Give us a couple of like typical examples that you've come across in this arena. Yeah, I suppose when I talk about this here, a lot of people automatically think, you know, the independent retailer's potentially done something wrong. It's not always the case, actually. You know, we live in a world now where we've probably seen more than ever frivolous claims you know, kicking in and that's you know signs of what's going on within the economy and you know there is hardship out there and so the whole point of this service for these small independents as well is the fact that it's just having a resource available to you that should something come in that maybe something hasn't gone particularly well for you or actually you feel that actually you've got what i would call a professional non-payer at hand, you've got a resource available to you to come in independently and listen to both sides and then help come up with what looks like a, you know, a reasonable outcome for both sides. So I think really, you're absolutely right, particularly on the independents, they'll not get as much of this. But I think probably this world seems to be much more eager to complain. I think now a lot of people would just sort of go along with things whereas i think now these small even these smaller retailers who do a really good job they just have to be prepared for today's consumer who generally is prepared to not only complain but actually will claim as well for sometimes even the smallest of things and that's what's probably catching out quite a lot of people it's not necessarily it's gone hugely wrong it's it's even the small nature of disputes they're probably surprised that people are willing to go all the way to court that's something that feels like it's quite new in the last couple of years just how much that's increasing right like what give us an example first of all it's probably worth mentioning probably a complaint has happened so something's potentially gone wrong let's say a kitchen cabinet's hanging off the wall all the rest are fine but the cabinet's hanging off the wall and the customer puts in a complaint busy time particularly after the first year of covid it was actually it became very busy within the industry and as a kitchen retailer you took too long to go out and fix that cabinet in fact you took so long that the customers actually decided that's it Uh, you've had your chance uh, I'm actually now going to take this to to court. I'm going to raise a, a, a small claim against you. That is a it's a very common example of why it might have happened. Now, my job is to try and get in there ahead of that claim actually being raised and going, look, it's all about what's fair and reasonable. And actually within the industry at the moment with shortages in skills, shortages in supply, et cetera, et cetera, at this moment in time as a consumer, you will be expected to wait that little bit longer. And therefore, it's not fair and reasonable really now to raise a claim, a civil claim against this small retailer, when quite frankly, they're sort of up against it. That's just a small example of how I would chip in and sort of help some of the smaller retailers. I guess there could be situations where, for example, something has broken or gone wrong and therefore they can't have a shower or they can't cook their dinner or they've had to move out of the house for this problem to be solved. And therefore the customer themselves is out of pocket because of whatever it is that has happened. Is that the kind of thing that they are then looking for the compensation of? 
I think that's something you'll, you'll come across that an awful lot. And part of my role, I think, working with businesses is just to advise them on being a little bit guarded against that because compensation is becoming such a common word out there. Everybody just naturally expects compensation when really the advice I will always give the businesses, it's around about allowing the customer to meet their original financial objectives. So for example, the original financial objective is they wanted to give you some money to have a really nice bathroom installed in their property. As long as you can still make that happen, actually, there's not always a need for compensation. This is a complex industry. It is about being what's fair and reasonable. There's lots of uh, variables that can cause things to maybe go slightly off track. Now, don't get me wrong. If it does come down to the fact that actually a, a retailer has potentially caused some problems there, then there might be the right time as well to actually, as a gesture of goodwill to that consumer, pay things like compensation. But it's definitely, I would always, I wouldn't go straight to it because it's not always the right thing to do. You come in when there's no other option left, I suppose, other than legality, especially in this market where, as I say, customer service is something they really pride themselves on. They guard their own reputation like a castle. They will fall over themselves to try and solve things with people. That is the nature of what they are. But there's always going to come a point where, A, you think they're asking for too much, or you don't believe you're in the wrong. So I'm wondering when you come into these things, do people think you come in to adjudicate? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm guessing those on either side of the argument are looking for a third party to come in and agree with them. Yeah, absolutely. People think we're going to come in and we'll hear their story and we will naturally obviously agree with them. I mean, our whole thing is around being impartial and we're audited on our impartiality each year. I mean, the key thing for us is it's around giving both sides confidence that we are independent so for example should something go wrong we will independently survey that property to find out what's gone wrong so it's not that we've used the retailer or any of their team to survey it it's not that we've allowed the consumer to bring in their surveyor we bring in our own and that is that whole point is to try and take any of that sort of emotion out of it and we just use independent experts to come in and give us a view on look this is what's caused this to go wrong and this is what we would recommend um to fix it uh, if there is something to be fixed yeah because you're only going to be there if there's a stalemate it's as simple as that Correct. I'm thinking of every argument I've ever had in my life, really, because I'm an insufferable know-it-all. And I'm wondering about how much of these disputes are about the principle of it, you're winning the argument rather than the actual compensation. Definitely. When somebody goes all the way to court, it very much is about having your day in court and winning the argument. I suppose my job is to try and convince people, here's the amount of money you will spend doing that. Here's the length of time it will take. You know, if you look at it now, you know, a small claim on average, so it's not the worst, it's on average at the moment in the UK has taken uh, 360.5 days to make it to a court. That's a huge amount of time. And if you think about it, again, from an independent retailer, And let's just say that customer is holding on to, say, £6,000 of your cash. You're waiting. You are going to be waiting over a year before you see any of that money. So really, part of my job is to convince both sides, look, stop trying to get your day in court. You know, there's a faster way to do this. And if you can trust our independence, we will bring in experts who, quite frankly, will go to toe to toe with anybody on CVs when it comes to industry experience. And when they then are giving you an outcome in their view, you know, it is to be respected because they've got the CVs to back it up. And touch wood, you know, more often than not, you know, that that goes well and people trust us. Okay, so let's walk through this. Let's suppose I'm a retailer and I've done a job for Mrs. Smith. 
in her house and that relationship has broken down with mrs smith because something's gone wrong i'm convinced that it's not our fault and in fact she's used it incorrectly or she's done something to it that that is wrong so therefore it's her fault she's asking for compensation from me and i'm saying no i'm totally sorry but you're not getting it what point do you come in who appoints you is it is it mrs smith or is it me it it could be either or to be honest it depends on the setup so right now normally people who use our services are contracted directly with us as in businesses or maybe we provide dispute resolution to the trade association, for example, that they're part of. And as a result of that, then the consumers who use members of that trade association automatically then get access to our service. So there's a few ways that it could could happen. But normally what will happen is if, if we're just dealing normally with a the business, they've signed up to our service. And what will happen is they've gone through that first round with Mrs. Smith and they're getting nowhere. And what they'll then do is they'll contact us and say, we're getting nowhere with this customer, and then we will kick in. Or they'll probably have our details on their website if they're really good and they're really open to sort of resolving things when they go wrong. And actually, the consumer themselves will go onto the website, probably see some sort of a complaints policy or process, and then they'll see our details on there, or it might even be in their paperwork that came with the kitchen or the bathroom, and then they'll contact us directly. So it's really when the two of them or one of them have felt like we've hit stalemate. And how does it actually work? Do you sit in a room together? Do you send letters to each other? How does it work? In today's world, it's all online. We can do face-to-face, and sometimes it's right to do face-to-face, but more often than not, this is what's classed as online dispute resolution, which is, you know, it's your Zoom and your Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts. It's that sort of platform, and we'll do it over that. Now, along with obviously just speaking to people, there is to and froing in terms of gathering evidence and so on. So people will be emailing into us or maybe writing into us with some of their evidence or their paperwork, etc. So it's a bit of a mixture of both. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it, it's a very clearly a very skilled, very nuanced role that you have here. And it feels like when my mum used to tell me and my brother off and basically tell us to pull ourselves together and knock our heads together kind of thing, it, it just feels like a very parental role in the whole thing. You're right, actually, because ultimately it's emotion, isn't it? And emotion can bring out the inner chimps in people. <laughs> and part of our role is settling them down and reminding them, you know, reminding the consumer, look, at the end of the day, what you wanted was a really, really nice bathroom. You know, retailer, at the end of the day, you wanted to deliver them a really good bathroom. So can we get back on track, please, and still make this happen? So that you're right, there is probably a little bit of parent. I would like to say more, um, just the conscience on their shoulder, just politely reminding them how this all started started and actually with a couple of agreements here we can get back on track quite quickly because i guess out the two of them it's the retailer who just wants it to go away you know so can we just sort this out so this can just go away i can get on with my life whereas the complainer has a fixed goal in mind that they want out of it it can often be like that there and it's a huge source of inefficiency for the industry we commissioned a report earlier this year and what came out of that? Now we were talking to, so the sample size was pretty strong. It was about two. It was two hundred managing directors of home improvement businesses, not just kitchens, and bathrooms, but general home improvements. And forty three percent of those MDs said they were spending up to five hours a month on complaints. Eleven percent, so more than one in ten, were spending more than ten hours a month on complaints. So to your point about they just want it to go away, they really do because you roll that up to a national level. It's a huge amount of time being spent on complaints when I'm sure they'd much rather be you know, out and selling and installing things. Uh, so it is a problem. There are some big national retailers of kitchens, for example. Just by the sheer volume that they do, they must have hundreds of complaints on the go all the time. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, we use different sort of ratios when we're trying to determine how many disputes are likely, and it it all depends on on your control. You know, whether the retailer has control over the quality of the product, whether the retailer has control over the sales process. You know, we're a little bit nervous about door to door selling and things like that that still sometimes go on. And then there's control over the actual workmanship, or do they outsource everything? Once you start to get into the detail of that, you can really start to then get a feel for the ratio. Of how likely is a complaint going? to be that's definitely something you say and yeah those national retailers just with the sheer volume that goes through their books it's a busy industry uh, as citizens advice are reporting well you touched on it there and it's one of the things i wanted to ask about was what happens if so it's quite it's not an uncommon scenario in this industry for the retailer to sell the bathroom for example to mrs smith but a third party installer will be the one who actually goes around and fits it so that they are not employed by the retailer mrs smith has a complaint about something's gone wrong with the installation of that bathroom and they come to the retailer because of course they've bought it off the retailer who's at fault is that a three-way dispute is it a dispute with mrs smith and the retailer what do you do in a situation like that uh, yeah that one's quite common so it's all about who, whose uh, name is the contract then so for example of this one if and yeah quite often i see it you know you'll have an independent kitchen retailer and maybe there's a bit of building work required for example and then they'll bring in a builder and the builder will contract directly with the consumer but quite often it will be the independent kitchen retailer that gets the complaint part of our job first of all is to go in and figure out well what is it is a product or is it workmanship if it, if it is one of those two things or was it a pre-existing condition etc if it turns out that no this is absolutely a workmanship issue part of our job is then to shut down the retailer as in take them out of the dispute altogether because it's not them so remove that and work with that homeowner to make sure that they realize they have now nothing to do with this this is now based on the subcontractor and now you're actually in dispute directly with them so it is you know first part of our bit is actually eliminating all the parties who who don't have responsibility for something that's gone wrong Oh, it's so complicated. The other part of this that, that I think is very acute for in, these independent retailers, as I say, these complaints come along very infrequently, but their reputation is everything. Their reputation is almost like a capital asset to them. And therefore, you can resolve the dispute with that customer, but they could then go online and just slag you off for the rest of their life and tell everyone and all their neighbours how rubbish you've been. Is there any way of building something against that into an agreement when you settle on these disputes? Yeah, I suppose in the last couple of years, that's become more and more common because you're absolutely right. I think we've got our trust pilots and Google reviews and everything else, and people can do real harm on there. Uh, particularly for startup companies as well, you know, where the you know getting a two out of five star review when you've actually only done maybe twenty installs, you know, you start to feel the impact of that on those reviews. So quite often, if the retailer actually isn't at fault and a consumer is part of that sort of settlement with the consumer, we will also write in elements to sort of manage that, where we're saying to that consumer, you agree that you'll not take to online social media and post derogatory reviews, or if you're going to post a review, it has to be very balanced and has the you know we'll sort of set some things that everybody agrees to what could go into the review but that is something certainly in the last couple of years we've had to write more and more into these settlements yeah that's really interesting isn't it okay so i've got my retailer and i've settled it with mrs smith but i want to look into what i could be doing to help prevent this in the first place what advice would you give me about what policies i should have you talked about links on my website what what do you advise people in the preventative part of it the way we sort of split down why something's gone wrong, most common things are product or workmanship. And then followed quite closely behind that then would be contractual. 
And normally what will come out of our data is if I take contracts, for example, you'll know yourself, this probably happens quite a lot. You're maybe a couple of days in and something that wasn't picked up in the initial survey comes to light. And normally what people do is they just act in good faith, don't they? And they they just crack on with the job. But actually in today's world, a sensible thing to do would be to issue what's called like a variation of agreement. So, okay, we've realized this now. This has changed. This is different from the original design. And because of this, the price will need to change or the timeline needs to change or whatever it may be. That ideally needs to be documented. It's the usual thing. Agreement prevents disagreement later down the line. So that's an example of a preventative measure that we would be talking to businesses about. When it comes to workmanship, you know, I'll give you a real example of that there for one of the major banks that we work with at the moment. We could see that for whatever reason, organizations out there, and this is more general home improvement, you know, they really struggle with installing bay windows for whatever reason within the UK, taking those older homes and trying to install new bay windows into those older homes. UK, for whatever reason, seems to be struggling with it. So actually, as a result of that, you can send out messages to retailers and actually say, look, when you're doing that, do not be using your most inexperienced installers. Make sure you've got your most experienced on those jobs because the propensity for those to result in a dispute or a claim significantly more than say a normal window etc and there'll be versions of that there for the kitchen and bathroom industry as well so we sort of it's it's the data that we use then to help guide companies around how they can potentially change their contracts change the way they actually work or maybe manage their jobs or change some of their policies and how about staff training that kind of thing we do quite a bit of it in terms of if something goes wrong i would always argue that for something to become a dispute, it's normally because the complaint actually hasn't been handled particularly well. And that's not because necessarily organizations are really bad at it. But if you think about the small independent retailer, they are busy. They're trying to run the business. They're trying to sell. They're trying to install. That phone is normally wedged between their ear and the shoulder. So when they get a complaint coming in, they're not exactly set up brilliantly to deal with that complaint, even listen to it properly and to figure it all out. So a lot of what we would try and do is to work with the people that potentially might work with them to train them on, look, when a complaint comes in, these are the right things to say. These are the right actions to take. You know, how often should you communicate, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll do quite a bit on on that, more around how they actually manage their aftercare. Right. I mean, look, this is fascinating stuff. It really is. And like I say, the fact that it's so infrequent with the kind of with the guys that listen to this is what makes it so interesting because they're not experienced in it. Tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll conclude here, Kieran. We did an episode of this uh, a while back where we asked people to send in their best stories of going into people's homes. So one of the stories that we had, and I'll see what your professional opinion on this okay. is. There was a, a kitchen retailer that was doing a, a job for a, a couple, and they were sat in the showroom one day, and they saw the husband of this couple marching towards the showroom, clearly looking very aggrieved. And he marched into the showroom and said... My kitchen's very nice, but I've just found the fitter in bed with my wife. What would you? How, how would you resolve that dispute? Um, well, I'd immediately activate the family division of our service because <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly spilling over into another territory. Uh, yeah, that might that might we might have to bring in a, a duo of officers. I suspect to come at that one from the technical point of view, and then another from a, an emotional point of view. And is that a is that a real story? That is a real story. My other favourite is the one where a woman phoned up and said, "The fitters aren't here. Where are they? I've just got home, and the fitters aren't here." And they said, "Well, sometimes they go out, might be getting parts, might be getting their lunch or something." And she said, "No, I totally get that, but I just found the uh, apprentice in my bedroom wearing my underwear." <laughs> now, right? Okay. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I suspect in our preventative measures, 
there will be something around staff vetting. <laughs> There'll be something around <laughs> policy. <laughs> I, just, I just love the idea that you're sat in a room with these two people going, right, okay, well, I'm sure we could come to some agreement. <laughs> that's, that's the benefit of doing online dispute resolution, Andrew. That's, that's the moment you turn off your camera. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, Kieran, thank you so much. It's, it's generally really interesting. And you're right, that there does feel like there's a different opinion that people have on this kind of stuff now, that they slightly feel a level of entitlement that perhaps they didn't a few years ago. Yeah. That, you know, they I, I want some compensation for that, even though it might be a situation that actually has quite a reasonable resolution to it. And, and, it, and it's interesting that guys like you exist to, to have that kind of argument with them. I would imagine that very few situations pass your desk that aren't pretty 50-50. There's always two sides to a story. No doubt about it. Well, Kieran, thank you so much. And listen, if you come up with any more interesting ones, you just let me know. I will. I'll be doing well to beat yours. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. Kieran Harkin there, who is the Managing Director of Dispute Assist. Lots of food for thought in there. And I think the main takeaway food is that no matter how infrequent these things might be, be when they're happening they can be an awful experience for all parties so thinking about it now and what policies and procedures you need to have in place sounds like a good idea to me don't forget to rate review and follow us wherever you get your podcast to make sure you get notified when new episodes go live if you're listening on your browser then find a podcast app just search kbb review or one word and you'll find us see you next time